Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Father, we just thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to come into your presence. Oh, to know that the corporate anointing is here, no matter how many or how few. When we have gathered together, there is a corporate anointing tangibly present in this place. And so tonight, we, f- we thank you, Father, for the opportunity to gather together because we've been called into this place for a purpose. We've been called together to experience your presence. We've been called together to hear your word. We've been called together to get revelation and understanding of the word that's spoken. And so tonight, Father, I just thank you that as we minister from the word, that you speak to each individual what they need to hear. Put it in such a way that it becomes real to them. Say what you need to say about what I say. Say what you need to say about what the Word says. Help us to understand more clearly and more fully, more completely, just what the Word is saying. There's so much in it, Father, that just one or two times through can't begin to unveil everything that there is in any particular verse, in any particular topic. But as we go back and we go through it again, we see more and more things. We see more and more aspects. We see more and more more revealing of yourself to us in the Word. And so tonight, Father, we thank you for what we're about to receive. We call ourselves blessed tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you blessed? Amen. Second Corinthians 10. We are going to start in verse 4. And then you'll remember what I was talking about four months ago. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. What I started on four months ago was saying, you know, that not every... We look at the word stronghold and the word imaginations in this context as negative kind of things. But you know what? There's some positive strongholds. There's some positive imaginations that we shouldn't overlook. And, you know, we talked about that a stronghold is, a, is defined as a well-fortified place, a fortress... And if you go back and you take the word fortify, it means to strengthen against attack, surround with defenses, to furnish with the means of resisting force. We looked at Psalm 61 that says, you've been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the the enemy. Proverbs 18.10 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and is safe. A stronghold and and a strong tower can be the same thing. When you're looking at it from the positive side of things. You know, and, and, and I said four months ago, I said that we build strongholds in our lives, the good kind of strongholds in our lives in stages. You can build the bad kind of strongholds in stages as well. But we're going to talk about the, the good side of this, the positive side of this. We build it in stages. Isaiah, the 28th chapter says, but the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept, precept upon precept. Line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. 
And you know, it's the same in our, in our lives. Just if you look at a tower, what do you do? You build a tower. You build one block on top of another, on top of another, on top of another, on top of another, on top of another. I remember when we were first building the church, and then one of the things that we built first were those two towers out there because they were block, and, and they were going to be, you know, bricked and all this kind of stuff. And it looked pretty odd when that was the only thing there. You know, but I'm telling you, it stood out. It got people's attention. Listen, when you build a good, strong tower in your life, a good stronghold in your life, people are going to see it. It's going to stand out. Just like that did when during our construction phase. Joshua 1.8 says to meditate in it day and night. 1 Corinthians 2.12, Paul said, I determined not to know anything among you but Jesus Christ and him crucified. So we, we talked about how do you know that somebody's got a stronghold in a particular area built up when they don't fall apart as the enemy brings his attacks. That's how you know somebody's built a stronghold. You know, I, um, it's important that you build them before the attacks come. You don't need to wait and get in the middle of a storm to try to build something. Mortar doesn't set up in a, in a, in a hailstorm. You can't, you can't get it to set in place. It's just going to fall apart. And so many times people wait to build these areas of their lives, whether it's healing, whether it's prosperity, whether it's uh, depression. No matter, They don't build it in the times when nothing's going on. Somebody once made a famous statement. It's easy to believe God for healing when you're not sick. That's when you better be building yourself up is when you're not sick. So that when the time comes, the enemy throws something at you, you're not taken up by blindside. And sometimes you don't have time to go, oh, let me go get in the word. You know, and I told you the story of Wally Redwine years ago. He's been in heaven a long time now. But we used to call him Wally Newhart. And he had a massive stroke that involved his brain stem. And, of course, they were just, he was in the hospital, you know, unconscious. And nobody thought, the doctors, nobody thought that he would survive it. But, you know, the church got together and we began to pray. And, uh... I remember we gathered together on a Sunday afternoon in between services. The whole church came together to pray for Brother Wally. You know, but what made the difference in this whole situation was that Brother Wally had built himself up in the area of healing. He had built himself a stronghold of healing. And when this time came and he could not speak, he could not communicate, he could not read, he could not hear, you know, you know, just tapes and stuff. It's amazing what the word that was already built up in him did for him. That was a Sunday afternoon. I remember we went to the hospital Sunday night after church. Went in that hospital room. He was breathing, the kind of breathing that that starts when somebody is in the dying process. And we, we we just praised God, came on home. His son stayed with him in the middle of the night. Suddenly he went over and said, hey, Mark, what you doing? And the next morning... The medical people were astounded, absolutely astounded. There's no way, no way he should have come out of that, none. But because he had a stronghold built up in him before he ever went into it, God was able to access that. And our prayers joined with his, our faith joined with his. You know, somebody's in that kind of situation, their spirit's still alive. 
don't, don't you ever go into a place where somebody is maybe unconscious in a coma or something and think that you can't hook up with their spirit. But there's got to be something in their spirit to hook up with. That's the key. There's got to be something already there. Not something you have to put in them, but something already there you can draw out of them. You can hook up with that kind of a person. And Brother Wally came out of that, went to rehab for a couple of weeks. And as soon as he got home from, from rehab, he was on a ladder changing something on his garage door. I mean, it was absolutely amazing. But it, be, it was because he had built that stronghold in his life. You know, it's, it says that, uh, I, I read this, that towers are built to, defeat, to defend against enemies. Because the enemy wants to lay siege he wants to lay siege to any, any stronghold you build that's built on the word of God. He wants to lay siege on it. Well, well how does he do it? Number one, he keeps throwing things at you. And number two, he wants to deprive you of food and water. You know, in the old days, medieval days, you know, castles. You know, they, they had these big castles and they surrounded them with moats and all this kind of stuff. And if they knew an enemy was coming, they made sure they built that castle near water. They made sure they had an ample food supply already stockpiled, just like Brother Wally did. He had an ample food supply stockpiled. And I tell you what, if you don't maintain a stronghold, it can fall into disrepair. And the enemy can outlast you sometimes if you're not careful. But we have to be built up so well that he is not going to defeat us. No way, no how. We will outlast him every time, having done all to stand, stand. And that's exactly what we need to do. You know, it's, it's easy to withstand the enemy when you know you are well supplied. You are well fortified. You have the word in you. You are built up. You are strong. You have the Holy Spirit, that, one, that thing that is the, the rivers of living water on the inside of you. You've got, you've got everything you need. So we, we ended, I think, the last time talking about the kind of strongholds that we do need to build. You know, and it's interesting. You, you might not think this is really important, but one of the biggest strongholds you need to, to build up is that I am born again. Do you know that there are lots of people who struggle with that? I, I, could, I could name two or three people right now that I've known over my lifetime who lived their entire lives fearful of whether they really were born again, if they really were going to heaven. Did Jesus really forgive all their sins? And you'd go over it and over it and over it and over it. And they still, they struggled. Listen, that may seem like real simple to you. But you know, for some people, that's not that simple. Then there is, how about the fact that God is and that he's a rewarder. God is not just able, he's willing. These are strongholds that we need to, we need to have in place in our lives. How about the past is gone? I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Everything that I did that was not great is gone. It's over. There is no more guilt imputed to me because this me isn't the me that did those things. You can struggle for years and years and years with letting the past hold on to you, but you've got to stop that. You've got to build yourself into the fact that you have been crucified with Christ. You're a new creature. Old things are gone. And the consequences of those old things are gone with the old man. 
That man is dead and buried and never to be resurrected unless you go dig him up. So stop digging him up. Stop it. It does nothing but stink. How about provision is always mine? No matter what comes my way, provision is always mine. You know, I, Pastor and I on Sunday mornings, most of the time unless he's late and, and I want to get out here, we, we spend a minute, you know, in the, a minute or two in the office praying over our offering and our tithes every Sunday morning. And one of the things that ways we end it with is we thank God that we'll always have plenty to live on and plenty to give. Don't build a stronghold of just plenty for me. You need to build a stronghold on I have plenty to live on and plenty to give. Plenty to give. There's always a supply to give. You know, God has has challenged us a few times over the years with some big amounts. But you know what? There's a stronghold on the inside of us that says, I will always have plenty to live on and plenty to give. And knowing that prosperity is progressive means that I don't expect to see what I gave today reaped tomorrow but i know that well, over the course of time i am going to see god's power in that area manifested in my life and it has i mean you know when i think when i think back about how i was raised raised poor you know poor 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 you know i remember the days when i would ask my daddy for a dime to go get a slushie over at the 7-eleven and he'd say honey i don't have a dime you know, and uh, it was it was it was hard growing up. You know, of course, as, as children, you don't always necessarily understand that till you get grown and you look back on it. You know, but but we were raised poor. Now, because of that, I let it affect me. I let it affect my generosity. It was like, okay, you can't let you can't. Okay, you got to do this, you got to do this, but you can't let go of any more than that. This is it. You know, I will, I will give God the tithe, but but don't ask me for more. Listen, you're not doing anything real big when you tithe. You're only giving back God what belongs to him already. I'm already giving to him something that he's... I'm only honoring him by giving back to him what he's already given me. He's already given me. And the future blessing comes back to me in mostly in what I choose to give now for the future. When you stop and you think about it, tithe is a recognition of what he's already done. Offerings is a recognition of what he's going to do and so for me at least for pastor we we put more than our tithe in every sunday now that that's not that's not that has nothing to do with missions it has nothing to do with building has nothing to do with maintenance has nothing to do with anything else it's just this is what i'm tithing on of what i've already received heavens I put some in there just just in expectation that he's going to keep blessing me in some other areas that I don't even know about. But I add to it because I want to see increase in the future. Not just blessing because I honored him, but increase for the future. That's a stronghold that a lot of people haven't figured out yet. They haven't built up yet. And when God starts talking to them about giving something that's... A little more than the extra 10 bucks they got on them. They kind of go, ooh, no, I can't. Mm, I, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can. Stop that. If God ever lays something on your heart, he's, he is setting you up for a blessing. 
And that's something I have come to find out. And I've come to find myself being, being more than willing to be generous when God says something, when he begins to talk to me, when he begins to say, you need to stretch yourself a bit. You need to stretch. Looking back over the building fund for the 10 years we took to pay off this building, most of you can honestly say you don't know how you gave that what you gave. We, I, I don't understand. There was such grace there. There was such a grace to give. There were houses. There were cars. There was all kinds of jobs, all kinds of things that manifested itself during that time because you were committed to what God had told you to give. And what a blessing it turned out to be. Hallelujah. Uh, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this. Let me, just, let me just go on. We go from strongholds to imaginations. Now, I, I realize that if you go to some other translations, they don't use the word imaginations. But for just for the sake of what I want to talk to you about, I'm going to stick with King James, and I'm going to give you the definition of what imaginations is. It's forming mental images or concepts of what is not actually present to the senses. That's what an imagination is. Now, I, like I say, I understand that if you go through several different translations, they'll, talk, they'll say that that word imagination could be translated as theories and philosophies, you know, a lot of different things. I understand that. That's great. But for, for me, just give me the liberty here, you know, to use the word imaginations. Because when I read that definition, I immediately thought of 2 Corinthians 4.18. So you're close by. 2 Corinthians 4.18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Doesn't that look like a faith statement? While we're looking not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. Romans 4.17, you know, it says that Abraham called those things which be not as though they were. You know... Abraham was strengthening a stronghold when he, when he did that, when he said that. When, he, was, when he, would, he changed his name from Abram to Abraham so that not only when he said some, to somebody, my name is so-and-so, they repeated it back to him. Hey, Abraham! They were reminding him of, of what God had said, building up that stronghold. And look how long it took. But he kept building. It was still brick upon brick, line upon line. You know, and he kept that thing. But you know what? I believe that he probably kept the picture of that in front of him. There's going to be a child born to me. There's going to be a child born to me. There's going to be a son born to me. A number of years ago, probably, I don't know, three decades ago, we had a couple in the church that were having problems. They wanted a child so badly. And, um, and what they, uh, they went ahead and did was they were believing God. They were thanking God. And they began to see themselves with a the child. They began to, hear me, see themselves with a child. What was that? A mental image or concept that is not actually present to the senses? They began to build on what they saw. We're not really talking a mental picture. We're talking about seeing with the eye of faith. For we walk by faith and not by sight, but we walk by the sight that faith brings to us in the spiritual realm. What did they do? They went out. They bought a crib. They took a room of their house. 
They put that crib in that room. They began to buy all kinds of baby things. And they equipped that room. And when they walked in that room, they looked around and they saw baby. 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 There's going to be a baby in that crib. There's a baby coming who's going to get in that little toy over there and spew them all over the place. There's going to be a baby who's going to fill up that diaper pail. There's going to be a baby. I mean, it's a baby. It's a baby. But they did something. You know, when you begin to, to picture something that God has promised to you, he will lead you to do some things to reinforce what, you, what that picture is. And that's what they did. They were believing God for a baby, and they reinforced it by setting up a nursery in their house long before she got pregnant. But she got pregnant, and that child is over 30 now and wasn't long. A second one showed up. I'm not sure they were actually believing for that second one that soon. But you know what? Hey, when you get the ball rolling, you might as well keep going, huh? So anyway, don't some of you take that to heart now. Um, But you know what? There's always a spiritual aspect of it. There is a spiritual seeing that we need to know that is important. If you go back to the story over in 2 Kings, let's just go take a look at it real quick. 2 Kings chapter 6. You'll remember, if you've read this, you'll remember that these kings came to get a hold of Elisha. And uh, Gehazi, his servant, was all, I mean, here comes this big army, and Elisha doesn't have an army. They're just, he's just Elisha. He's just a prophet. I mean, he doesn't have a guard, you know, and didn't have bodyguards or anything. He just, he's just a prophet. And he's got a servant named Gehazi. And Gehazi's all upset about all this whole thing. And in verse 16, he says, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. I can imagine Gehazi going, what you talking about? What, what, what? What do you mean? They, there's nobody here but me and you, Elisha. I mean, I don't know, you know, I, I kind of think that big old army is a whole lot greater than just the two of us. I mean, we're not even, we're not soldiers. I mean, we don't have, what are you doing? But Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray you, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. He saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite thee, this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word. You, you know, here it is. got to open your spiritual eyes. You just got to open your spiritual eyes. You know, I remember Paul wrote, he said, that the eyes of our understanding might be enlightened. We begin to see some things. We begin to see what God has provided. We begin to see the answers. We begin to see our futures in, in a different way. We begin to see Jesus when he, was, when he was on the cross. It says in Hebrews 12 that Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, He kept his eyes ahead on what was before him. Do you know what that joy was? That joy was you. His eyes were on you. That was the joy that was set before him. Instead of looking at the circumstances, looking at the fact that he was in pain, looking at the fact that he was suffering, looking at the fact that he was about to be separated from his father, he kept his eyes on the joy that was set before him. And that took him where he needed to go. 
You know, we have to, we have to get to that place where we, we constantly see where God's taking us, not where we currently are. Jesus himself over in John 11 got word that his friend, his good friend Lazarus was dead. But he said, don't worry, fellas. His eyes are already on something else. Don't worry, guys. He's just asleep. He's just asleep. By the time he got there, it had been three days. They said, you know, he's, he's dead. Lord, he's been gone for three days. Nothing you can do. And he said, roll back that stone. And they go, oh, he's going to stink. He stinks, Lord. You don't want to do that? Yeah, I do. Roll the stone back. And with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he did. Because why? He saw something they didn't see. Sometimes we need to write something that God's shown us down so that we can have something tangible to go back to to remind us of what we need to be looking at. I'm reminded of Habakkuk 2 to write the vision and make it plain. Write the vision and make it plain. If you're going to be just kind of so-so about what God tells you belongs to you, then that's what you're going to have, so-so. But you need to write it down, make it plain, so that at any time that the enemy comes at you and tries to, to take one of those blocks out of your stronghold, you go back, oh, no, 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 no. Here, here is what God said, and this is what I choose to look at. This is what I choose to, this is what God has given me to look at, and this is what I am going to have regardless of what you say, regardless of what you do. We got it. We've got to have that. You know, I suspect, Doug, you don't mind if I pick on you a little bit, do you? I, sus- I suspect that when Doug was in the hospital a while back, that he saw himself healed, didn't you? And, and you know what? He came out of that. The man who sees himself healed is the same man who said, when asked why he was not in the bed, said, healed people don't stay in bed. When you see yourself healed, your actions will follow suit. Your actions will reinforce what you see. Now, I don't know if God had to speak to you to tell you to get out of that bed and get in that chair, but because you already had a revelation of healing and you saw yourself healed, you saw yourself, if you stayed in that bed... You were going to be at the mercy of the enemy, telling you, getting, getting a little foothold in there, trying to dissuade you from keeping your healing. You know, you've got to do something. When God shows you something, you begin to see it. You've got to reinforce that with your action. You know, I, uh, I think that, that we sometimes find ourselves in places that we can't see ourselves in a particular thing victorious because we really don't believe it. We've got the word in front of us, but we really don't believe it. You know, it's, it's one thing to have mental assent, and it's easy to get to a place where you're just mentally agreeing with the word. But when it gets to be down here deep on the inside of you with some real revelation that you know, 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 then you see it for yourself. 
You see it without anybody else telling you. You see it in spite of what the enemy is trying to do. And you know what? He can paint you some vivid pictures that he wants to exchange. You ever heard of some of these art heists? You know, you've got a masterpiece hanging on the wall, and an art thief will come in, and, and he will take it out, and he will replace it with a forgery. That's what the enemy's trying to do. The masterpiece is the thing that God has revealed to you that you see in your spirit. And he wants to come along and pull that away, steal it away, and put in some kind of a forgery. That's what I think mental ascent is. It's a forgery. It's not the real thing. It's a forgery. It looks good. But when you start taking a close look at it, you'll find out it's not real. There, there's, there's no value in it. We've got to replace the wrong with the right. If you've been trained and schooled in the negative aspects of this life, you've got to change that. And it takes some doing. Somebody once said that you have to learn something really well, you have to hear it seven times. But to unlearn something that you've learned wrongly, you've got to hear it at least twice as, twice that. You've got to hear it one round to get it out of you and another round to get it confirmed in you. And so that's what the Word does. That's what the Word does when we are renewing our mind. We are changing the pictures that our mind wants to place in front of us. And we have got to get to a place where we see ourselves the way God sees us. You're called, you're anointed, you're appointed to something. And God will show you what those things are. You might be called to be the mother of, of, of children. Well, if God's called you, you need to see yourself in that place. Don't to get, find yourself in a place where the enemy discourages you because some days it's hard. Lord, I know some days it's hard. That's why I love being an empty nester. Because I got past all that. But, but, you know, if God called you to that, if God supplied you with those children, if God put you in a place, he entrusted those little people to you, then God has called you to do the job. And you need to see yourself as one outstanding mother. One woman who, 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 whose children will grow up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord will grow up to fulfill the plan of God that he has for their lives. A mother who will instill in them all the godly principles that they need for to be successful as they walk through life in every area of their lives. If that's what God's called you to be, then you do it and you see yourself never discouraged. When discouragement comes, you go, no, no, this is my calling. This is what God has called me. It could be any area. It doesn't have to be motherhood. I'm just picking on that because that seems to be, you know, one of those areas that us ladies, you know, we wind up with. And, it's, and there are days, I do understand, there are days when you go, why did I ever have kids in the first place? You know, because you love them and because God says you're going to be good at it. That's why. But... You know, we have, to, we have to make sure that we don't magnify the wrong thing. What does magnify mean? It means to enlarge, enlarge it in such a way that you see it as bigger than it is. Stop magnifying the things the enemy is saying to you. 
First, you better recognize it's the enemy talking to you. Don't magnify those things. You magnify what God has said about you and what God has said to you and what God has said you will accomplish, what God said is you, you are capable of. I honestly, I honestly know that there are there's just sometimes we just find ourselves in places that we just, we just, Lord, really? Really? I mean, I know you've kind of, you've put that in my heart, but really, is that, is that really you want me to do that? Is that, listen, God will extend invitations to you to launch out into the deep. He will. He'll tell you to go out and let down the net on the other side of the boat because there's something in it for you. Trust him. See yourself the way God sees you. See yourself being exactly who God says you are. See yourself with that job promotion. See yourself with that new business. See yourself with that new child. See yourself with that new spouse, you know, if you're, if you're single. Don't try to put a face on it, please. Just see yourself with that, with that relationship that you desire in your heart. Now, if you see yourself in the metal, metal just a little bit here. If you, if in that particular context, if you're desiring a relationship and you can see yourself, one day I'm going to have a, a spouse. I'm going to have a home. I'm going to have this. I'm gonna, make sure that your corresponding actions is that you are getting yourself ready. For, to be the person they're looking for. It does no good for God to tell you you can have something and you go out looking for it and they're not what you're looking for. You are not what they're looking for. Oh, that would be bad. But see what I said a while ago. When you see something by the eye of faith, you see it, God will give you some things that will correspond to making that come into reality. So you're going to have to get busy doing those things that he said to do to get ready for those things. You know, it's, um, it's really important that you, that you re- remember that. Um, there are times when the enemy will come at you and all he'll paint you a picture of is just doom and gloom. There's just some, but nothing, you're surrounded by just darkness. It just seems like trouble is on every hand, you know. What was that? They used to sing on hee-haw, gloom, despair, agony on high. There are believers, you know, who go around with that kind of a cloud hanging over them all the time. But you know what? In the darkest moments, you have to look around and see that there is a spotlight shining from heaven right over you. It doesn't matter what darkness is around you. The heavenly light is coming down to shine right on you. If Paul could have a heavenly light show up in his life, I don't know why you can't either. God is always there to push back the darkness for you. He is always, but you have to see yourself pushing that darkness back. You have to see yourself accomplishing what he said to accomplish. Now, I'm going to end this by, by saying this. Pastor's been talking to us about having a hunger, being more excited about the things of God, being bolder to share our faith with other people by, by, by reaching out more in the time that we're in. And some of us might say, I, that's not me. That's not me. Yeah, it is you. 
You need to see yourself as a person who is more than able to share what God's put on the inside of you. You need to see yourself as somebody who's passionate and hungry and excited. You say, I, you know, I'm Pastor Angel, I've never been excited about the things of God. You can get excited, and you can start by seeing yourself excited. And when you start seeing yourself excited, God will lead you into some things little by little to get you to that place where that excitement is evident for everybody to see. You see yourself as being bold to go up to somebody in the grocery store or in Walmart or, or anywhere, and you see them struggling with something, and you go up and you start talking to them, and you start sharing the gospel with them. You can be that bold. You know, they said over in, in Acts, they said, Grant unto your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word. That's a good scripture for you to get a hold of. If you really want to see yourself bold, go, go, go there. Grant unto your servants that with all boldness I may speak this word. You know, find you some scriptures about being hungry and excited. It is easy to get complacent. When you're in a place where you get well-fed, you know what happens on Thanksgiving? We all get so well-fed that we we just like little globs by the end of the day. Spiritually speaking, we can be that way. We can get to a place where we are so well fed in the word that we just kind of go, ah. I think when you've got a nursing baby, it's called milk drunk. You don't need to be like that. The reason God wants to fill you up is so that you can go out and share it with somebody in such a way that they cannot deny the power of God is flowing through you. And so I just want to encourage you tonight. There's, there are imaginations that should run wild when it comes to living your life for God. You should be able to set some goals and to set in motion some things that God will inspire you to believe him for. You begin to see with the eye of faith, based on the word, not something nutty, not something crazy, because Romans says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. So there's a difference between seeing yourself doing something and ambition. Ambition is a bad thing. But a a heart that is hungry and is wanting to see other people blessed, that's not ambition. Ambition has to do with ego and me, how I look. But when we make sure that our, our goal is the benefit of somebody else, our goal is to be a witness to somebody else, our goal is to see somebody else's life changed the way our life has changed, the goal is to see somebody else have the word revealed to them in such a way that they'll never be the same. How can we sit complacently by and do nothing? Listen, we have to get to the place we understand that there's a world full of people who are going to hell. And some of them will go because we aren't bold enough to say something. Because we aren't willing to see ourselves confident enough to go share the gospel with them. But we have to come to the place where we just we see ourselves as dynamos 
when it comes to the things of God. Not that you're crazy wild, but that you are fearless. 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 In the face of all the the quirks that we all have and the insecurities that the enemy tries to bring up to us. When I say I'm shy in a group of strangers, I mean I'm shy. You might not know it, but I, 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 I suddenly get this dry mouth and this sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach when I go into a room full of people I don't know. You got to get over it. You got to get over it. That may be the personality we have, but I tell you what, to give in to that kind of a personality means that God cannot use you as effectively as he wants to. You have to see yourself in spite of your personality doing what God wants you to do, forging ahead, blazing trails that have not been blazed before. There's plenty of pioneers of the gospel, plenty of pioneers of faith that were shy, timid people. Look at Moses. Father, God, what, what, what you talk about me leading the people of Israel out. I can't even talk. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. And God said, I'll take care of that. You just let me. You just let me. Listen, when you are willing to give it to God, he said, it's okay. I got you. I will take care of it. But you have to start seeing yourself. There's no reason why this, I know it's vacation time, but there isn't any reason why this place shouldn't be full. There isn't any reason why you shouldn't be inviting people to come to church. Not just as a social pastime. It's not a social organization, although there are social aspects of it. It's because their lives need to change. And you are supposed to care enough about them to want to see that for them. That means you have to do something. See yourself doing that. See yourself reaching out to them. See yourself saying, listen, you come to a place where I tell you what, if you'll, if you'll stay, stay, God can show you some things that you will forever be different, that will change your destiny, that will change your family, that will change your children, that will change your marriage, that will change everything about you. But you have to see yourself being that person. See it by the eye of faith. God in his word has already said it. He's already said that that's what you are. You're ambassadors for Christ. You're ministers of reconciliation. You are bold. You are fearless. You are strong. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. His grace is sufficient in any situation. You have to see yourself in those places and in those aspects. Just being all that God says that you are. And then... Oh, my, what a time we'll have. Not only will you be blessed, but lives will be different. The kingdom of God will be enlarged, and the kingdom of darkness will be diminished, and the power of the enemy will be brought to nothing in people's lives because you were bold enough, because you were ready to act on it. That will excite you. I tell you what, you let, you let just one or two people get, get influenced by that coming out of you, and you'll get addicted to it. People aren't natural-born evangelists a lot of times. I love, you know, being around people who are just, I mean, just, just endowed with that evangelistic spirit. But I'm telling you what, it can come on you too. You have to see yourself that way. You may not be as 
wild and crazy as Brother Steve. You, you might not be, you know, as vocal, you know, as some other people. But I'm telling you what, there's an evangelistic anointing on you to lead the lost to a place where they can be found. Amen. You need to see it. Don't look at the things that are seen or the things that are not seen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.